Welcome back to Historical Homos, the world's only no-fucks-given guide to queer history. Now, some of you may remember a few years ago, probably yesterday on Fox News as well, when Republicans were up in arms about trans people using bathrooms. The story goes, anyone assigned male at birth can be expected to rape, harass, and murder women in toilets if they're permitted to enter those spaces. And the only way to prevent that, of course, is through federal and state legislation which demands that any girly-looking boys have their birth certificates on hand if they need a pee. God bless our legislators who keep us safe. This grand debate, which conservative scholars refer to as pee-pee-poo-poo studies, has actually been used by both sides of the political spectrum to wage political war on trans people, all queer people, and more broadly, all women. For the right, the established norm of same-sex bathrooms has been used to position trans people as threats to polite society. For the center and the left, especially in the last decade, public bathrooms have served as a symbolic battleground for federal versus state powers. And back in the day, in the era of 50s and 60s cruising culture, same-sex bathrooms enabled an easy portrayal of gay men and many other queer people as demonstrably criminal. All of which got me wondering, where in the hell does the gendered same-sex bathroom even come from? Who made it up? Why do we still adhere to it? And who in God's name is in charge of the new drawings for the all-gender ones? They're, they're so abstract, even queer people need a Rosetta Stone to decipher them. I saw one recently that was just three lines next to one another, then another cabin with two vertical lines and a horizontal line on top, then another with two circles and a line in between. Is it breasts? Is it body? Is it dick and balls? Is it purely decorative? Someone explain hieroglyph to me. It's time someone answered all the above. So stay tuned while we uncover the, of course, patriarchal, of course, homophobic history of boys and girls bathrooms. Now, you should get ready to come on in because the urinal cakes are what, Lucy? Human grade. I think women, um, women's bathrooms are a fascinating place. Mm. I've personally spent plenty of time in them um, doing all, any number of illegal drugs. Same. I also believe that um, women using men's bathrooms is extremely normal and extremely welcome. I think it's ridiculous when people are like, get like for someone to shoo a woman out of a men's bathroom is hilarious to me. But I would shoo, like, a gross old man out of the woman's bathroom. Right, of course. And that's something we're going to talk about today, which is... Um, Men that, are the problem. That <laughs> that um, extremely common, talked about threat that men are constantly somehow going into women's bathrooms when that has absolutely no basis, in fact. Men have been raping 
the whole time. Yeah, they don't need bathrooms. They don't need bathrooms. They've actually been doing it pretty publicly in right. many places, subways, universities, New York City. <laughs> All the greats. <laughs> the big ones. So I think this is going to be a very interesting little uh, episode, and I want to go through it at a quick clip. The one thing I do want to announce is that we are going to be launching, we're going to be trying a new type of episode called Period Piece, which is a monthly series where Lucy gets her period and we watch a historical drama together, dissecting what's accurate, what's hot, what's not, um, and also what I still don't understand about menstruation, which is hint a lot. Um, I'm not going to do probably anything about the history stuff that he just said. I just want to lie down and watch a movie because I have my period. Yeah. That's cool with you, right? Totally. Cool. That's the whole point. It's a gift to you, sister. Thank it's you. It's also just a hilarious double entendre. Double entendre. Yes. Yes. Okay. And with that, let's get started. Act one. The patriarchy continues to pee on us. I think we have to start off this whole discussion with a realization that I had recently, which is that most of the bathrooms in the world, aka the bathrooms we use in our homes, are all gender. Oh my god. Correct. Oh my god. So that to me says that gendered bathrooms have nothing to do with actual biological needs. Like it's not like we need different apparatuses. It has yeah. everything to do. So it's not practical that they're separated. It has everything to do with what public restrooms represent, which is personal vulnerability, exposure, being disgusting and taking poops. I don't know what that is. I've never done that. Well, you're a woman, of course. Just kidding. I all the time log. It's long, long. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. It's long, long. It's better than that. It's good. <laughs> I, I logged plenty of logs I, today. <laughs> no, I didn't. So I think it's it's all about controlling and defining what these things mean for everyone, but for women in particular. I would say, yeah, I would say the argument here is that bathrooms are actually pretty political. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> Thanks. Good one. Just a summation of what you said. Totally. You're um, welcome. And what this takes us back to is that public restrooms are actually really about what is allowed to be public in the first mm -hmm. place. Right. So there's this sort of pattern. And this is something this goes back to the history of when women's restrooms, women's public restrooms were actually invented in the 18th and 19th centuries. But there's this sort of paternalistic view that women should not be in public. Right. Mm. Because because they're gentle and weak and they can't possibly face all of the things in the real world, right? So that's the kind of like patriarchal paternalistic view of like women stay at home so that you don't pee um, outside in front of anyone. Which does not work for me because I famously went on a first date with that guy who I asked to spit in my mouth over and over again <laughs> in Brooklyn who was super drunk and um, I went on a normal date with him and proceeded to get drunk again and just was like, I had to pee and peed outside in front of him after he bought me a checkers hamburger. Wow. He was a Michelin star chef or he worked at a Michelin star restaurant. Checkers so. hamburger is a pretty depressing I, addition. I had never had one. You know what? Twist never going to again. No, they're just, that he, place is disgusting. You used to live by it. So then there's this misogynistic view that women are dirty because they have different sanitary needs, obviously menstruating your expertise. Mm -hmm. Which, 
you know, since the days of old has required fencing off in some way, like go do your period over there um, or some kind of theoretical distance. But excretion for women, for everyone, is seen as dirty or whatever, but particularly for women, it's seen as unfeminine, right? Because women are supposed to be perfect, pure little virgins. Meanwhile, when you're a girl and you're growing up, like you think discharge is weird and you're like, ew, what's this stuff coming out of me? But really certain discharge will tell you certain things about your body and how it's doing. And this isn't about women's health, but it is like an important thing. Like there is no shame around like you have discharge every day. Of course. Just like men have dick cheese every day. (laughs) (laughs) Which is discharge. When you were saying that, I was sort of imagining like the discharge coming out of you, kind of like the hormone monster and Big Mouth being like, it's not far actually. Hey, Lucy, everything's fine today. Currents are swimming. (laughs) (laughs) Currents are moving. Currents are moving. It's actually much more of, I would say like, hey, Everything's okay down here, but I'm really hungry. So in actuality, the first sex segregated toilets were established in Paris in the 1700s. Of course, the French did something. And it was kind of like a fun ha 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 joke uh, in 1739. <laughs> I mean, what you be? <laughs> well, no, it, oh. that they separated the bathrooms. So I mean, what you don't be? <laughs> nobody was watching anybody pee before that. It wasn't like women were peeing in front of men. And this is the really interesting thing that I'm going to get to is that there were zero public restrooms, at least in the West, for women. Mm. Unless you were a lower class woman and you pee wherever you can yeah. and you're out all the time. But basically women were expected to stay at home. Um, Just so they could pee? No, because that's where that's where their whole lives were lived, right? Oh, I, so, I see what we're doing here. Yeah, okay. but this is like a real trans historical anti-woman thing that has happened is part of the reason you don't have public restrooms because you don't want women going outside. And I came across this term called the urinary leash. Oh, kinky. <laughs> Which is what one scholar calls it. So like, if you don't have restrooms outside, then women literally can't leave their houses unless they're going to just another house, right? That's crazy. It's crazy to think about. So that's something. And so what these guys did was sort of like a fun joke. What if women could be outside? <laughs> um, you know, in at the ball or whatever. So they set up a public restroom in at a masquerade ball or one of these things in 1739. But it was basically just like a chamber pot in an enclosed box, one for men and one for women. With a hole poking through for the women's one. <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the dicks. Yeah. For the glory wall. Um, so this was, this was definitely not seen as like a normal thing to do. They didn't, you know, suddenly create public restrooms for women. So in the Victorian era, though, the world started to change. The world was more industrialized. So this was an era when men were openly and institutionally defined as women's protectors, Mm. which is important because women had to like finally for once go outside all the time and go to the factory and work all day long. And that includes protecting them from the outside world and all of the dangers Mm. therein, including in the workplace, out on the street, whatever. I mean, that's partly what like the whole culture of like chivalry of like holding doors open for women and all of that is. It's like women are literally helpless nincompoops. They can't do anything by themselves. Okay, but keep holding the door open for me because I do like that and I find it romantic. I like when people hold the door open for me because I'm a pig bottom. (laughs) (laughs) And just to illustrate this, in 1873, the Supreme Court held a ruling in a case called Bradwell v. Illinois 
that it was not un unconstitutional for states to deny women admission to the bar on the basis of their sex. So they couldn't become lawyers, basically. You got into Harvard Law? What, like it's hard? Oh, I, my dumb ass <laughs> in a bar. No, they could go to the bar. They could go to the bar, but they could not go anywhere else um, legally. And then it had this, this concurring opinion from one of the justices that says, man is or should be woman's protector and defender. The natural and proper timidity and delicacy which belongs to the female sex evidently unfits it for many of the occupations of civil life. So this is the kind of shit that, like, this is only 150 years ago or something. Yeah. Literally 150 years ago. I mean, ago. women weren't allowed to have credit cards until the 70s. I learned that recently. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Where yeah. did you see that? I learned that from a TikTok. Yeah. It's fucking um, crazy. The point is, this was a time when women were constantly belittled. And actually, before we even get in the, into that, I thought it would be interesting to talk about how people even went to the bathroom before plumbing that's why people came for this so. that is the core of pee pee poo poo studies <laughs> and that is where we are going so some of the earliest toilets that we know about were in yeah they were from the rome's rome mm -hmm. yeah and they you had like, see that on the outline no or? no no i remember learning about it in ninth grade mm -hmm. and they they made the things go down into the ninth grade was a really big year for you so i learned about mesopotamia i learned about i i digress you yeah. probably wouldn't understand <laughs> <laughs> so in ancient Rome, they had two different types. They had multiple types of uh, toilets. Of course. One, the ones in public were called forikai, I think. And the ones in people's houses, which were just sort of like over cesspits, were called something else. Ew. Toiletai. Um, <laughs> the elite preferred these single-seater toilets that just, you know, went over a pit and then someone removed the shit. Um, or they would give them for guests who were coming over, you know, a woman who's coming over and hasn't been able to pee for 16 hours. And, well, uh, it's the Roman thing to do, <laughs> but the public ones were the interesting ones because that, those are the ones that are sort of like latrines, um, where people are sitting next to each other. Oh yeah. Uh, just like long drops, kind of like at Glastonbury actually, <laughs> oh, except God, no, yeah. no partition. So you can see in the visual aid that I've provided on. I on this, the form of the podcast, <laughs> you can see that people have these little holes that they sit down on on a marble bench. They're very close together, so hopefully there wouldn't it wouldn't be too crowded and you'd be able to shit in some kind of piece. Um, but there's also a little hole underneath it because they have this thing called the tersorium, which is a sea sponge attached to a wooden stick dipped in vinegar. And that's what you wipe with. Um, I mean, I've seen the show Plebs in Rome and like I've seen this happen, but I just I actually never knew. <laughs> Nothing could have prepared Wait, you. They don't. Those are the they're the same. People are using the same one. People are using this. That's same really one. upsetting. Certainly. So the other way that people poopy doopied was <laughs> just having chamber pots in their homes. And I think that was probably one of the most popular things for most of history. Rome was also interestingly um, famous for its sewage systems. So they had this thing called the Cloaca Maxima, which moved millions of gallons of water a day and was pretty much the only thing. I mean, Rome had a million inhabitants at the height of its power. It was really? the, largest, the largest city in the world. There were that many people alive? <laughs> yes. So the Cloaca Maxima was the only thing that allowed them to... <laughs> Another thing I learned to move um, the pound of shit that a human <laughs> being creates per day. 
So that's a, a million. So a million times. So a million pounds of shit per day, roughly speaking. We're, Imagine we're talking about shit was like worth something. How cool would that be? Like, it, well, manure. Manure. Yeah. Well, I was just about to say, and you stole the words from my mouth or the shit from my mouth because I, I often only do. I only chat shit, mate. That. So I don't actually have anything. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. So in these public restrooms, you would you would never find women, like the, unless they were lower working class women. Unless they were working the, the bathroom. Well, literally, like that that might have been one of the only reasons to go in there because you would risk being raped or injured or whatever. Mm-hmm. There was also a whole job that used to exist of like picking up shit from people's homes and ferrying it off so i have a another image here of actually a really hot guy carrying can you zoom in carrying pots and pots of shit uh mm. in in dutch in dutchland in amsterdam in 1953 um a stone <laughs> so that was still happening Pieces in 1953 collector. what a great name 1953 yeah. So I'm sorry. Do you think it was probably the same in England? I'm sure it was the same in many places. Okay. So what does that mean? Our dad our, was probably shitting in places that people were still coming to shovel his shit up. Could be. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure what our desperately poor father <laughs> did for his evacuations. Uh, so for the for the most part, public restrooms were male only by definition. So for most of history, as far as we know, women in public had to inf- improvise. In the Victorian era, they had these little things called urinettes, which yeah. were little things that you could like hold and pee into. Which are um, making a comeback, actually. People are like starting to use them for like roadside peeing or like he's standing up. Like yeah, that. so this was like the precursor of that. And then there were <clears throat> chamber pots that you could hold up and put under your skirt. Or actually one of the benefits of having those giant skirts in the Victorian era was that you could just sort of hoist your skirt over a gutter and just have me a nice squat. <laughs> you squat and piss and shit all in one. Done deal. Eventually, and the urinary leash is not unique to Western society either. Although obviously like that's mostly what I was able to research for this. But even today, this exists. Like women in India apparently often avoid eating or drinking too much if they have to be out in public because there are just there just aren't a lot of public restrooms for women. And even in America, because there were fewer women initially in the workforce when these building codes were made for you know factories yes. or places of work, there are fewer. Um, women's bathrooms in public buildings, like on average. The first regulation that people had to have separate toilet facilities was passed in like Massachusetts in the late 1800s or something. And then over the next three decades, all of the states passed these different uh, resolutions in their law codes because women were now in these places of work. They had Mm -hmm. to pee selfishly. So people had to get the fuck over it and start building some restrooms for them. So gender segregated bathrooms, in some sense, they could also be seen as part of the emancipation of women from the home and their entrance into the public sphere. Um, And even just I mean, I can imagine that in like the 1880s, going to work at a factory where where they had a separate space for women to do their business might be like, oh, this is a nice place to work. Yeah, Yeah. I don't have to go to the the poop filled smegma smeared 
men's bathroom every single day. I'm going to actually, we're gonna, I'm going to pass a law because that's <laughs> something we're going to start doing for this podcast. I'm going to need us to not use the word smegma. Okay. I know I spoke so, of magma. 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 And this, you know, the idea that, again, that you would have a bathroom there in the first place meant that more and more women were getting employed because that's why you needed to have it. So it's like, it kind of is part of women's emergence into mm. like a new, a new era of economic mobility. Or they just didn't have bathrooms anywhere else. So they were like, well, fuck, let's all go work at this one factory that has a bathroom. <laughs> so, that would be really smart of yeah, that one factory. That one factory. You know, I have my one at home and I have that factory. There's Do no- you need to pee and make less than <laughs> two cents a year? But, okay, as we said, though, segregated bathrooms are not rooted in biological difference or any real need. So there is this whole aura behind it of men being like, oh, these precious little women need to be protected from all the factory workers. Mm. And also, like, why are the factory workers so disgusting and violent that you can't... Because they're men. I know, but it's like, that's that's the real problem, right? Of course. Um, the problem is not that women are weak and need protection. The problem is men need to shut the fuck up. Yeah. So there's this whole thing that historians talk about called the separate sphere ideology, which existed in the 19th century and was all about how men and women have strictly defined places in society where they're supposed to be, depending on their traditional gender roles. So the the women the women's sphere is inherently domestic, mm-hmm. and then a man's natural place is outside of the home. You know, fucking women, hu- fucking bitches, <laughs> hunting, yeah, gathering, um, gathering, wa- um, just walking sometimes, just yeah, going for honestly, a little walk, yeah. just taking those little walks. Hey. question sure something something just came to my mind um that when we were talking about the factory like i feel like this is something that's ingrained in women that like i'm afraid like i'm not gonna have a place to pee so like i have to make sure i pee before i go out of the apartment and then i sometimes just need to nervous pee because i'm like oh i'm not gonna be able to pee Mm. and so i feel but like that's been my whole life. I'm scared. I can't be. I'm not going to be able to be. I'm so scared. <laughs> Do you think that's related to what we're talking about? Or should I talk to my doctor about that? Um, I'm going to yes and that. That's good. That's I how do, you, we should do this. I do think that it's it's a both situation. <laughs> I think that there is something that is culturally ingrained in women. That's like, you're not supposed to pee outside. Yeah. You, you do that in the privacy of your own home. Now, the other interesting thing about this that really drives it home is that this was not only about bathrooms. This happened in many other aspects of society, i.e. the separation of facilities for women and Mm. men. So, you know, oh, women are out in the world and we're allowing them to read. Well, if they're going to go to libraries, they need their own reading rooms. So that's why ladies' reading rooms developed in libraries. I didn't know that. On trains, there were separate train cars that were established for women and any chaperones that happened, male chaperones that happened to be with them. Lovingly, they did put those in the back of the train in case (laughs) there was a crash. Um, So the point is, there were women's only spaces all over the place in hotels, banks, department stores, libraries, trains, women were just literally put in their place all the time when they were in public. I like what you did there. I know. That that was was really good. I, I wrote that a while ago. So 
what we take away from all of this is that the the same sex bathroom didn't exist really in history before because all public bathroom mm-hmm. because all public bathrooms were inherently only for men so the issue didn't really arise i think people were also like a little less concerned about pee pee and poo poo um, yeah it was just in the streets there was like right or your chamber pot or whatever there were probably more chamber pots there were probably outhouses things like that which is can i just add is kind of a shame because it feels like the romans really set us up well by just giving us that one and being like hey you don't have to have your shit all over your city it can be moved out of the city and it can be somewhere else and then i don't know the middle ages came right after that and it just was like there's shit everywhere <laughs> everyone's like I miss poop. (laughs) We should, you know what? Bring back poop. 2024, bring back poop. Make poop great again. (laughs) So, but then once women did start going out into the world en masse, people needed to start thinking about this. And it happened to coincide with a period in which there was an even stronger um, social and moral code that constructed women as weaker and in need of male protection. And I think also as like dirty. Um, I think there's always that misogynistic element of like women are unclean in some way. So all of their sanitary needs need to need to be taken care of elsewhere. I mean, you also think about like body hair and all those things like women are expected to not have body hair. The amount of times like I I would get so nervous about I'm like, oh, I didn't shave or oh, I didn't get a wax. No one cares. But like my entire life, I was told that like that's an important thing. And then you go and give head to some prickly french dude who just has the push of hagrid's beard and a penis sticking out of it and it's just like you're a wizard harry where where did i I go wrong i I think the next time that you give someone head you should say hagrid's beard (laughs) by jove hagrid's beard he isn't dead So all of which leads us to the question, okay, well, ideas about women have changed a lot. So why haven't bathrooms changed? There's a very practical answer to that, which is after women started entering the workforce around like the 1920s, 1930s, there were so many people in the workforce and so many buildings being built to accommodate economic growth that they had to create codes, building codes around plumbing, around all this stuff. And that included how many restrooms should be built Mm -hmm. for men and for women. And those codes specify specifically that men and women's facilities must be separate. So it was kind of this Victorian inheritance that got enshrined in law. And now because it's been legislated, people are just like, well, that's the law. (laughs) Like most things in this country that became law long ago and don't make sense anymore. Name one. Um, the right to bear arms. No one should be cutting bear arms off of bears. <laughs> the right to bear arms. I stole that from I, Family Guy. I know you great. stole it, but it's funny. So obviously, yeah, women, ideas about women have changed. One that has not gone away is the idea that women require protection from men. And I think that is actually tied up into the the argument about trans women not using women's bathroom, because that whole argument rests on this idea that trans women are biological men in disguise, effectively, Mm. which presupposes that cis men are going to use transness as a disguise to go into women's bathrooms and attack women. But if that's the case, then why don't they already do that? Right. Like we said earlier, 
And they're especially afraid that the young ones, you know, the ones probably in like middle school, high school are going to be doing that. So they're afraid to teach anything about trans. Oh, the middle school queer people, trans trans kids. Trans rights for children just don't exist. Right. Because they're the ones who are preying on people in the bathroom. (laughs) Act two, the specter of bathroom sex. So all of this is not just about trans people. It's also about gay men in particular, because association of the association of bathrooms with sex in more recent years comes primarily from male homosexual sex being associated with the bathroom. And this is partly due to cru- cruising. <laughs> this is partly my fault. Uh, largely my fault. <laughs> it's partly due to cruising culture. It's also due to a very well-established um, cruising culture that was already taking place in Victorian England and in the Victorian era and uh, all over the place. So homosexuality and bathroom sex was well-linked already in the 19th century. Um by 1937, there was even a guide to cruising, a very thinly veil- coded guide to cruising in London's public restrooms called For Your Convenience. And it's supposedly a dialogue with two men who um, have to pee because they've had too much tea. <laughs> Gay! Totally. <laughs> and they're walking around talking about the best places to have a slash. But there's all this coded language and imagery that also indicates that what they're really talking about is the best place to go get your wang sucked. Nice. And they, there's even a map in the book that has all of these. They refer to them as pavilions, I think. So the idea that the that the bathroom was a place of sexual potential was already well known to our homies in the 1800s, 1900s, whether you're gay or not. Yeah. And in America, this led to an, an increased association of all bathrooms with sex to the point that by the 1950s, 1960s, when white America was moving into the suburbs and getting bigger houses, a lot of families started prescribing separate bathrooms in the home for girls and boys, which is the craziest thing that I have what? ever heard of. I have never been to a house when, when anyone has ever said that or had that rule. And can you imagine like what what the supposition of bathroom. sexual conduct that's going on in your family home that you have to have separate bathrooms Wait, for what? Yeah. So Was it like specifically some kind like a religious group, like Catholics or anything like that or nar. the other ones? It was just everyone everyone that's fucking wild. oh what well, wait wait no not everyone in some homes the hippies did. didn't of course yeah but. no this was just in some homes but it's it's like a known thing that there were people in suburban america doing that so by the 1960s this also this association also allows a lot of white racists to resist the desegregation of restrooms and other public facilities by basically branding black men in particular as sexual predators who might, you know, endanger the modest virtue of all we white women. Um, Just like they do now for trans people, like this argument about bathrooms being a a, bathrooms having to be separate and not at all equal is not limited to trans people. It's been used against women, against black people, against gay men, and now more recently trans people. Honestly, at this point, I'm really going to need conservatives to stop like recycling things. Like come up with something more interesting. It's like people coming up like with reboots all the time. They're just rebooting the same ideologies. And well, well they are the conservative. Party. Oh, they're they, conserving. They conserve. <laughs> 
I guess for me, what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about all this stuff is it sort of assumes that women are like at their most erotic in the bathroom. (laughs) And as a homosexual man who has lived with women for most of his life, I know what goes on in women's bathrooms. There is blood. There is vomit. There is discharge. There are period poops. It's not yeah. all laced up titties and like putting my little panties back on. Like and those panties it is a war discharge. zone. It is a war zone. Yeah. Um. So I, I just want to make sure that we're all Chris. I want to make sure that the white conservative men understand that too, that like women are not hot in the bathroom. You should be the max you should be trying to do of being sexy in the bathroom is cleaning up after sex. AKA the only hot thing you can do is wiping <laughs> semen from yourself. Well, intense. Um, Do you disagree? I just like to imagine like a girl on her like third day period shit. Like she's been backed up for weeks. <laughs> and, and that's when they think that someone's <laughs> going to come in and be like, yeah. Oh, you're really hitting home to me. on this <laughs> Okay. Let's keep moving. The other really racist thing that happened here. Um, and also because there was a huge amount of medical misinformation about sex education and venereal diseases do any of these things prevent venereal disease besides the rubbers is that um people associated black people with venereal disease more than white people oh yeah wasn't that a big hiv thing too yeah so this was (laughs) pre-hiv it was more about there were people were worried that they were going to catch like syphilis and um gonorrhea from white people never had that right so it was like the black the black people have it the most and they're they're going to leave it on the toilet so we can't have desegregated bathrooms because then white women will get vd mm. from from black women so at the same time that all of this horrifically racist shit is going on about bathrooms there's also the lavender scare happening in tandem with the more commonly known red scare where people were being outed as homosexuals being fired from their jobs especially in government um and and so and it was due in part to an increasing visibility of homosexuals in general in in society in the medical field people were talking about it more after like the Kinsey reports came out all of that stuff so that only cements you know as soon as a thing is named then people become even more afraid of it mm. like Voldemort <laughs> <laughs> that only cemented people's public fears of bathroom blinking which made bathrooms a, a prime target for conservative politicians who were trying to go against queer people and queer men in particular. And then another layer is that homosexuality became associate was had long been associated with uh, associated (laughs) associated with mental illness and pedophilia. So then that started to become connected to public restrooms and the risk of sort of public sex in a public restroom and the association of homosexuals with pedophiles. And I, I see that you're questioning this. Wait, and I actually yeah. I actually have a primary source to share here. Your primary sources? Which is a video called Boys Beware. Um, I believe this was like a PSA that would have been shown to kids in like public schools and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Kids, like teenagers, you know, in around the early 60s. Like, I think this is from 1961. Let's just take a little listen. The following Saturday, they went fishing together. By now, they were using first names. Ralph said it was more friendly. (laughs) 
Jimmy hadn't enjoyed himself so much in a long time. Then during lunch, Ralph showed him some pornographic pictures. Jimmy knew he shouldn't be interested, but, well, he was curious. What Jimmy didn't know was that Ralph was sick, a sickness that was not visible like smallpox, but no less dangerous and contagious, a sickness of the mind. You see, Ralph was a homosexual, a person who demands an intimate relationship with members of their own sex. So, just to repeat that, what Jimmy didn't know was that Ralph was sick, a sickness that was not visible like smallpox, but no less dangerous and contagious, a sickness of the mind. You see, Ralph was a homosexual, a person who demands an intimate relationship, blah, blah, blah. So, just this, in like, unabashed equation of homosexuals with pedophiles homosexual equals sick equals going after little boys period so that's like what you mean. no 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 other explanation no nuance no whatever it's very black and white just like the film so that's what you mean when you say like mental illness it was because it was considered a mental illness that's what i mean okay. when yeah. when i say yeah. homosexuality was associated with mental illness and pedophilia and people pushed that throughout the 50s and the 60s mm-hmm. so that it became it became commonplace for, to if you were describing a homosexual to is, expect that they were automatically a pedophile and something was wrong with them and they were sick and they were disgusting right. and that part is uh, is true. fine but <laughs> um so i mean the way that this video goes is absolutely nuts like you you everyone should go look it up and just see what thing what was being said about gay people only you know 80 years no 60 years ago and honestly um, i can't believe it's they allow it to be shown in public because what ralph did to jimmy in that video is pretty shocking <laughs> <laughs> she gave him a sandwich um no actually in the rest of the things like all of the kids have like first and last names like and then one of them lo- trades his life for a headline that's what that's the line um, because he gets in the car with someone and then he's never seen again and just gets turned into a headline like boy found dead. Honestly, that's kind of a cool way to put that though. Um, I wouldn't get that as a child though. I it, didn't, I barely I, I, got that as a 30 year old. To me, it's like, it's just like, it's so vivid that it's like, it's such vicious propaganda because they're not doing, it's not little like test scenarios. They're really painting pictures and really telling stories with it. Um, Oh, one of my other favorite lines from it is, one never knows where the homosexual is about. He may appear normal, and it may be too late when you discover he is mentally ill. I mean, that applies today. That applies. (laughs) What is it too late for? I mean, this is how people were talking about homosexual men to children. Imagine what they were saying as adults to one another. Is this why dad didn't like you? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, seriously, like imagine if you grew up with that. Like, I think dad was always slightly a little bit weird about gay people. Yeah. And I think like not in thinking (laughs) that they were pedophiles, but like, you know, there's there must have there was just so much being like slammed at you about how sick gay people were. Um and so anyway, even after the lavender scare had subsided, by the 1970s, people were still using bathroom panic to derail any attempt at progressive legislation. So one example is the, the Equal Rights Amendment, the ERA, which is a proposed and still unratified gender equality amendment to the Constitution. It's literally just an amendment that says, like, 
you can't discriminate on the basis of sex. And it ha- it has not passed. It failed in the 1970s because white conservative women rebranded it as the common toilet amendment <laughs> and said, this thing is going to allow men to use our bathrooms if they want to, um, because because not letting them into women's bathroom would be quote unquote discriminating on the basis of sex. We're all blowing up the bathrooms. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I don't really want to be in there with anyone blowing up a bathroom. I know. I want my own private toilet at every single establishment. And that's what this is about. Well, and it's funny, like this whole, you know, bathrooms are a haven for perverts. The women's bathrooms are where per- all the perverts are going to show up. Like it's still very much alive in our culture. I, I at my job we have an all gender restroom it's just like three cabins it's disgusting and my uh female boss when she first started there she was like i am just never gonna get used to seeing a guy walking out of one of those and i was like really like have you been outside anywhere like new york is literally just one big toilet for real so anyway the people have been and i mean the equal rights amendment is literally the most simple amendment about women not being able to discriminate on the basis of sex it's still written into other places like the civil rights amendment um and not amendment the civil rights act um and a few other uh places i think that that language exists but people the point is people have been using public bathrooms for hundreds of years mm. to denigrate women to deny women their full and equal rights in society to denigrate queer people um, to go after them and to demonize black men and women in particular act three does anyone care so before we talk about whether lucy cares or not which is of course the only reason we barometer for whether this was a successful episode um oh we forgot to do our sacrifice you said you didn't have one but i have one you know what? I don't. I don't have one today. I I have sacrificed my blood, sweat, and tears. So the we of course the bathroom is a battleground for LGBTQ plus and particularly transgender rights. Now, this I don't know if everyone remembers this, but this was a bigger deal in like 2015 and 2016 when, of course, Texas and North Carolina um, were basically like throwing down these laws, these anti preventing these anti discrimination laws from passing and part of them part of the argument was that these laws would allow men to go into women's bathrooms um it's it was the old the same old argument from the the women who were stopping the equal rights amendment um and basically like this got the obama administration involved because he was like he made it a, a federal directive or something that this this legislation needed to pass that like um people of different gender identities could use the bathroom that was associated with their gender identity. And also haven't like, we've always had, I mean, not always as we proved through this episode, but like for a long time, it wasn't in like 2015, those people in North Carolina and Texas were probably like using the same bathroom in the gas station at home. There are many places. I know already. There's no, it it has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with anything real. But and and, and actually these <laughs> good good save it for the pop quiz um, and actually eleven states sued the Obama administration to block the federal government from enforcing this directive which was really just a, a, about allowing a few trans kids to use the bathroom like Jesus. and in fact 
so I I haven't found anything uh, saying that women are at risk in the bathroom. What I ha- what what is very commonly known is that trans people are at risk around bathrooms because a 2013 survey found that 70% of trans people report experiencing denial of access or harassment or even assault when they attempt to use the bathroom that corresponds to their gender identity. So 70%, okay? So trans people are the ones who have an issue um, using these bathrooms. It's not women. Women don't need to be protected using their bathrooms. Yeah. Or at least that case remains to be proven. So that's the history of the gendered bathroom. Um, I know that this week we uh, are apologizing for a straight person who is not yet a part of history, but inevitably will be. It's a straight apology. Lucy, who are you apologizing for? Oh, I wanted to apologize on behalf of everyone for Justin Timberlake. I mean... I haven't yet read or aka listened to the audiobook um, that is The Woman in Me by Britney Spears, narrated by Michelle Williams, mind you, which is fantastic. But I have heard excerpts of him being an awful, awful boyfriend, cheating on her, making her get an abortion, all this other shit. And I would just like to say, I'm really sorry that he exists. I'm sorry to everyone. Mm-hmm. But I do love NSYNC. Of course. And I still listen to Jay Timms. Yeah, I, I do like Jay. Mirrors is just a good song. Okay, let's start the pop quiz to see if Lucy's actually learned anything before we ask her if she cares, um, because you, I think you should make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. Um, question number one. In what nation do we find the first same-sex bathrooms in public? In France. In what city? Paris. Paris, darling. In and it what- was a joke. In what year? 1791? 39. But good. That was pretty good. Question number two. What was the separate spheres ideology? Oh, men and women lived in separate spheres. So it was like women lived in the domestic sphere. Men lived outside in the sphere. Here's a good one. Question number three. What was the lavender scare? And when did it take place roughly? The Lavender Scare happened during the 50s and 60s when people were being outed, specifically men, were being outed for being gay, gay, disgusting people. See that? It works, guys. This podcast works. It really does. Listen to it. Please. Otherwise, he'll hit me. Please. (laughs) Otherwise, he won't protect me outside. (laughs) All right. Well, um, I guess now is the big moment where we ask if Lucy gives a shit. Literally. Should I shit in my hand and clap? Because that's how I feel about this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I find it very, very interesting. Um, Mostly because we talked about periods for a long time and also women. But it is, I do find it very interesting how any any, um, group that's ever been like repressed or been uh, in a minority is frequently going through the same issues and then being attacked for the same things. Yeah. The cyclical nature of it is really kooky, funny. And I find that to be something that actually, sorry, it's not funny. It's It's really horrible and awful. (laughs) But I find that to be something very like powerful. I think that's happening now that people are like, Oh, we have a lot more in common than we have in differences that Mm -hmm. we can actually unite and share like shared experience can 
bring change. So I've always been quite passionate about that. And I will be following up with a book on it um, called The History of Passion. Hmm. Really went nowhere with that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I agree. There's like a, there's a solidarity element to this. And it's also, it's like, okay, maybe we can focus on just having like a couple of rules that we all agree to yeah, um, in no terms rape. of bathrooms. Um, yeah, no rape, no like uh, being gross or telling people what to do with their bodies. No, no, be gross, be gross, be gross. Yeah. No telling people what to do with their bodies since they're our own fucking bodies, mm-hmm. which probably includes having sex in a bathroom, actually. Um, I don't see why that's yeah, so wrong. People should be, if you're behind are a closed more door. People disgusting things in a bathroom anyway. People are doing worse things in the world I than mean, fucking in a bathroom. Do you know how much fecal matter I've probably snorted by doing cocaine in a bathroom? <laughs> off of like, a, off like the back of a toilet thing? You know, in a, why would you put it on there? Because when you're in a pinch and you don't have a phone or you have a broken screen, you don't want to get it. In Not like, that I've ever done cocaine. I've, I don't even. I had a problem. I, thank God you're sober and not snorting poop anymore. I know. Oh God, the poop was so good, man. It really got me, though. <laughs> poop was so much cleaner oh. back then. <laughs> oh, that was the pure poop, man. <laughs> That's all we have time for this week. Thank you, Safi, for being here. And mostly thanks, quiet. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you hear, give us a little five-star review. Five stars only on Apple or Spotify. Um, oh, and follow us at historical.homos on Instagram and at historicalhomos on TikTok. Love you. Love you. Bye.